Thank you, witness. What a blessing. Weren't they a blessing tonight? Praise God. Wonderful. And Brother Malcolm, I want to tell you tonight, and I'm not just saying this, I'm, I'm not just saying this, that was an on-time word for me. I'm, I'm telling you, did you feel like that? I, I'm telling you, man, that last verse, the whole message, but that was a word for me, a pastor, leading a flock through times like these. So I am so grateful I got to be here tonight to hear the Word of God. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 2. And I'm going to begin to read in verse 15. In the Old Testament, the book of 2 Kings, chapter 2, and verse 15. And tonight I'm preaching on this subject, Obstacles to Opportunities. Obstacles to Opportunities. From the book of 2 Kings, chapter 2, and verse 15. Listen as I read. And the Bible says, Now when the sons of the prophets, who were from Jericho, saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Then they said to him, Look now, there are fifty strong men with your servants. Please let them go and search for your master, lest perhaps the Spirit of the Lord has taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, You shall not send anyone. But when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, Send them. Therefore they sent fifty men. And they searched for three days, but did not find him. And when they came back to him, for he had stayed in Jericho, he said to them, Did I not say to you, Do not go? Then the men of the city said to Elisha, Please notice the situation of this city as pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground barren. And he said, Bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the source of the water and he cast in the salt there. And he said, Thus says the Lord, I've healed this water from it. There shall be no more death or barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day according to the word of Elisha which he spoke. Then he went up from there to Bethel. And as he was going up the road, some youths came from the city and they mocked and said to him, Go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. So he turned around and he looked at them and he pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. Then he went from there to Mount Carmel, and from there he returned to Samaria. Now it's worth staying for the whole sermon just to see what I'm going to say about those last couple of verses there. <laughs> Let's pray together. Dear God, I ask for what I cannot borrow, what I cannot buy, and what I don't deserve. I ask tonight for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to preach your word as a dying man to dying people. Lord, give our hearts ears to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to us. And Lord, I pray that because of what we've heard in this place tonight, we'll never be the same because, Lord, we're, we're not going to be just hearers of your word. We're going to be doers of your word. I just want to confess the devil's defeated foe in Jesus, your Lord of all. In Jesus' name I pray, Lord. 
Amen. You know, this man, Elisha, was so different from Elijah. They both worked miracles, but even their miracles were different. Elijah was a confrontational prophet of fire, but Elisha had a gentler ministry. His miracles were for the purpose of relieving pain, meeting needs, giving comfort, bringing life where there's death. I believe that Elisha is a wonderful picture of a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many years ago, someone asked Tommy Barnett, who was the pastor of the first Assembly of God Church in Phoenix, Arizona. It had grown in five or six years from 200 to 9,000. 200 to 9,000 people. And someone asked him, what, what's the secret? What's the secret of that church? And this is what he said. We find needs and we meet them. Well, that's what God's called all of us to do as servants of Christ. There is a need-filled world and God wants us to go out there and to meet those spiritual needs. But in our attempts to do that, in our desire to serve Christ, there are obstacles that stand in the way. There are roadblocks that stand in the way. And I just want to show you three of those that must be overcome tonight if you're to be a victorious, happy, joyful, fruitful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, discouragement. Discouragement is an obstacle to serving the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I, I believe it may be the greatest obstacle. I believe it is the devil's ultimate weapon to neutralize the service of a servant of God. Now look, this man, Elisha, he had to deal with stuff that could be discouraging. It says in verse 15, Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho... Now these are seminarians. These, these guys are studying for the ministry. This is the cream of the crop. These men are students of the Word. And it says, now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. They had seen Elijah caught up in the fiery chariot and seen his mantle fall on Elisha. And so they're sort of building him up here. They're having pastor appreciation Sunday here. They're, they're bragging on him a little bit. They're, they're, they're esteeming him to some place. They came to meet him, and the Bible says they bowed down to the ground before him. Now, right there, he could have got to be hit. But he understood something about people. And this will help you not to get discouraged. People are fickled, and fame is fleeting. You know, C.I. Schofield, the great editor of the Schofield Bible, once said, there are three tests that every servant of Christ has to pass if you're going to be effective. He said, number one, there is the test of obscurity. Will you be faithful and serve Jesus Christ if no one knows who you are? Will you be faithful? If you don't get any recognition, if no, one, if no one ever knows who you are, will you continue to serve the Lord Jesus Christ faithfully? He said the second test is the test of adversity. Will you serve the Lord Jesus Christ when the going gets tough? Or are you going to quit? I mean, when you're up against the wall, when, when you're facing a challenge, are you going to 
Are you going to keep on walking in faith or are you going to wither away? And he said, the third test is the most dangerous. And he says, it is, it's, it's, it's the one that will trip you up. And he says, it is the test of success. He says, now you serve the Lord when nobody knows who you are. He says, will you serve the Lord when the going gets tough? But here's the third one. Will you serve the Lord Jesus Christ faithfully when everyone knows who you are? See, the danger of success is you forget who gave you the success. The danger of the blessing is you forget the blesser. The danger of getting the gift is you forget the giver, giver you, you, or your liver, whatever you want to forget. I'm telling you, we've got to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ because the devil will use people to discourage you and to rob you of your joy and neutralize your faith. Now notice what happens here. These, these men who had just bowed down before him and said, you're the new prophet, the mantle of the greatest preacher we've ever known has fallen on you. It says in verse 16, then they said to him, look now, there are 50 strong men with your servants. Please let them go and search for your master. Lest perhaps the Spirit of the Lord took him up, but then threw him down. And he's, he's laying out there somewhere, broken in body, in a valley somewhere. And he said, you shall not send anyone. Now he's standing here looking at these young seminary students thinking, you didn't get it. You hadn't learned one thing in that school. You hadn't got your grip on doctrine. This is the belief system of Baal who believe that the gods trick us, that the gods trip us up that you've constantly got to be appeasing them, that they're gods who are vengeful and hateful. The wrong kind of teaching had invaded the minds of these young men who ought to have been out there preaching the true gospel of the holy God of the Holy Bible. And sometimes it can be so discouraging. You just preach to people and they don't get it and you teach people and they don't get it and you love on people and they just don't seem to receive it and they just don't seem to grow. But what you've got to understand is God hadn't called us to get the results. God has just called us to be faithful. So we just keep on singing and we just keep on teaching and we just keep on preaching and we just leave the results to God. You know... March, week of March 15th, just shut everything down. I never dreamed in my life we'd have to do that. Nine weeks we went without having an in-person service. We had some outside, did some other things, always online. But nine weeks, nine weeks before we gathered together to worship. And you know what? Uh, uh, when, when, I, when I faced that as a pastor, and I began to think about that, that we're going nine weeks and uh, nine weeks without passing an offering plate, nine weeks without gathering together for the preaching of the Word, nine weeks. You know what I realized? It's easier to walk in faith when you don't need it. Have you ever thought about that? It's easier to walk in faith when you don't need it. In the week of March 15th, I was very discouraged as I faced an unknown future. And on March the 20th, I was reading from the 20th Psalm. And the Lord God said to the psalmist, I will send you help from my sanctuary. <laughs> and I said, God, you're going to take care of us. And you're going to meet our needs. And some of the people 
uh, don't, don't, are not going to walk in faith. And some of them are going to flake out. And I believe God is sifting His church. I believe this with all of my heart. And I refuse to be discouraged because greater is He that's within me than he that is in the world. The psalmist said, I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen God's seed begging bread. So I want you to know, with all the naysayers in a 24 gloom and doom news cycle, I preached faith. I stood on faith. I said everything's going to be all right. I stood on the back of the the flatbed truck in the front of our church and said to people, everything is going to be all right. I stood up in front of a sanctuary and preached to empty pews and said everything is going to be all right. I said, listen, I believe with all my heart we're at a moment in time in the life of a church where we've got to decide are we going to practice what we believe? Are we going to practice what we preach? Are we going to stand on the Word of God? Are we going to be discouraged by our circumstances? And there are people like this who have a wrong view of God. But I'm going to tell you, this is my view of God. He is almighty. He is sovereign. He wasn't shocked by this. And He's going to bring us through. Hallelujah. Man, people can be so discouraging, especially when you need them to stand in faith and they just don't get it and they speak unbelief. And sometimes, you know, people even try to manipulate you with guilt. Uh, He said, don't go looking for him. He went up. It says in verse 17, but when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, send them. Therefore they sent 50 men. And they searched for three days, but they didn't find him. And when they came back, he basically said, I told you so, because he's been caught up to meet the Lord. So I want to tell you the main reason why I've got hope. Amen. I know it looks hopeless. I know it looks hopeless. I know in our area about the time you've taken three steps forward, you take four steps back. By the time this crowd over here gets well, this crowd over here gets sick. I mean, they said they got some of that vaccine and some poor old guy left it out of the refrigerator and then it wasn't any good, you know. And, and then all of a sudden, I was feeling a little better the other day and I turned on the news and they said, now there's a mutant virus that's on the loose. And these people that had it in South Florida said, we've never even been to England. We don't even know where we got this stuff. And this is where I go. This is where I go over and over. This is why I have hope. I want you to notice what the Word says in verse 17. It says, but when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, therefore they sent 50 men to search for the body of Elisha the prophet, but they did not find him. Now numbers have significance in the word of God. The number seven is God's number. The number six is man's number. But the number three is the number of resurrection. The Bible says they searched for three days and they found that this man wasn't dead. They found that this man truly was alive. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you what gives me hope. They nailed my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to an old rugged cross. He hung his head in the locks of his shoulder and yielded up his spirit. 
And the devil cheered. And they had a pep rally in hell. And all the flags of the universe were flying at half mast. And I'm telling you, I believe you could probably hear the sound of angels moaning in grief. And for three days, three days and three nights, our Lord Jesus Christ lay in the belly of the earth. But early in the morning, on the first day of the week, after three days and three nights, the Holy Spirit of the living God entered that dead, dark tomb and raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And when he walked out, death was defeated. The devil was overcome. Sin had been conquered. He was holding in his hands the keys to death, hell, and the grave. The devil don't even have the keys to his own house. And I want you to know, when he ascended up to heaven, he sat down at the right hand of the Father, and he ever lives to make intercession for us. So don't give up, child of God. Keep on singing, and keep on teaching, and keep on preaching, because the Son of God is at the right hand of the Father, and he's praying for you and he's pulling for you, and he's going to provide for you, bless God. Discouragement. Why should I be discouraged? I serve a living Savior who is bound because I'm his joint heir to meet my every need supernaturally. There's a second obstacle, and the second obstacle is sin. I mean, we're trying to, to serve the world and it's a wicked world in which we live. And that's shocking to God's people. God's people are sitting around. Can you believe they're acting like that? They're lost. Let me let you in on something here. Lost people act lost. That's, that, that, we're born with a sin nature. We're born sinners. We're born depraved. We're born separated from a holy God. We don't need a fixer-upper. We need a resurrection. We need to be a new creation. So... This is what we can do as a church. We can just sit around here and curse the darkness and talk about how bad it is. Just talk about how just terrible, bad everything is. Or we can spread the gospel. Because let me tell you, the gospel is the solution to the wickedness in this world. And it, it has the power of God to bring to salvation those that believe. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter how wicked, how evil, how mean and ornery somebody is if the gospel hits their dead soul with Holy Spirit power, they can be changed forever. Look, that's what happens here. It says in verse 19, Then the men of the city said to Elisha, We want you to notice the situation in this city. It's so pleasant. They look around, but the water's bad. And, and that word bad is used at least 31 times in the Old Testament to speak of something that's evil or wicked. The water is evil. The water's wicked. And it says the ground is barren because of it. It, it means that the, the animals were caused to miscarry. The, the word barren literally means causing to miscarry. Cattle casting their young. Trees shedding their fruit. Women barren could not bear children. Oh, because the water was bad. The problem wasn't the bucket. The problem was the water in the bucket. That was the problem. So this is what the man of God said to do. He said, bring me a new bowl, not an old bowl and not a dirty bowl. God uses a clean vessel. We're to be instruments of righteousness. We're to be vessels of honor. 
How can we effectively share the gospel if we've got a bunch of sin in our life, if we are living according to the flesh? He said, I want you to bring me a new bowl, and I want you to put salt in it. Now, salt purifies and preserves, and it pictures here the power of the gospel. And then he says this. He says, uh, he goes out to the source of the water, to the very head of the spring. Because you see, the, the problem, the wickedness is here in the heart. It's a heart problem. See, we're under the delusion. And listen, I believe in voting and I believe in elections, but let me tell you something right now, friend. You can elect righteous people, but you still got this problem. The hearts of people are desperately wicked. And let me tell you right now, it's not the power of positive thinking. It's not a check in the mail that's going to change the heart. It is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the church today has exchanged the real gospel for a social gospel that is no gospel because the gospel is that Jesus died on the cross for sinners, was buried and raised from the dead, and those that believe on him will be born again. Their lives will be changed, and God will give them a new heart. Look what happens. The Bible says he casts the salt in there, the source, and he says, the Lord says, I have healed the water and there shall be no more death or barrenness. Because you see, when the heart is healed, the life is changed. So the water remains healed to this day, according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. When God saves people, they stay saved. Isn't that a wonderful blessing? That's something to shout about tonight. The water's healed to this very day. When the Lord saves you, gives you a new heart, He saves you forever. So the first obstacle we got to overcome is discouragement. I'm going to keep my eyes on the resurrected Jesus. He's alive forevermore. The second obstacle is sin. I'm just going to confront it with the gospel. Sing the gospel. Teach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Testify of the gospel. Spread the gospel. The gospel can shake hell to its very foundations. But here is the third obstacle. Ridicule. Ridicule. Now, look at this strange thing that happens here. Elisha, who's a gentleman. I mean, he's a gentleman. Uh, the Bible says he went up from there after he had thrown that salt in there and healed that water. He goes up there to Bethel. And he's just minding his own business. And as he was going up the road, some youths. Now, you need to understand that that word youth in the Hebrew that covers from 15 to 30. This wasn't a bunch of kids. This was a mob. And they came from the city of Bethel, and they began to mock him. And evidently, he was follically challenged. The Bible says that they said, Go up, you bald head. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that my parents always taught me I should always respect the pastor, you know. And here is the man of God out here, and they, they're caught, they're saying, go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. Now, he does something so uncharacteristic. He turns around, and he looks at them, and he pronounces a curse on them. 
I pronounce a curse on you in the name of the Lord. And two female bears came out of the woods and mauled the whole youth group. I mean, it says all 42 of them were mauled. And then it says, he went from there to the Mount Carmel, and there he went to Samaria. He did not allow ridicule to become an obstacle. Now, you look at that and you say, what, what is the lesson in that? I believe there's a threefold lesson in that, in that little story there. It teaches me how to handle ridicule in this world. People mocking you, making fun of you and what you believe. First of all, I believe it teaches us that you shouldn't make fun of people. God doesn't like that. Don't ever make fun of anybody because God looks on the heart. God looks on the character. And we're living in a day and age where it's all about appearance. But let me tell you right now, my friend, God wants us to be a holy people and a committed people and let's never be guilty of making fun of anybody. I'm telling you, I'm not making fun of anybody. Our church property is separated from the Jacksonville Zoo by a chain link fence in the back of our property. There's, two, there's she bears, there's she alligators, there's she all kinds of stuff all over there. When I'm walking across the parking lot, I'm going, you look so great today. Beautiful. You're all handsome. I love you all. Man, I'm no one. Don't make fun of people. Here's the second truth. Don't take ridicule personally. Don't take ridicule personally. Now, you may look at that and say, I think he was hard on these young men. You need to understand what's happening to him. Bethel was a center of idolatry. In 1 Kings 12, 28, Jeroboam had set up there a golden calf. That's what these, these young people were raised in homes where they were taught to worship idols. And what they're doing is they're mocking doctrine. They're mocking the Word of God and the truth of the coming of Christ. They're saying, go up there, go up there. They're mocking what happened to Elijah. Same thing happened to Jesus. They mocked him and they said, come down if you're the Messiah and save yourself. If they mock Christ, should we be torn up because they mock us? We should rejoice that we can share a little in the suffering of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in the last days there will be mockers that will mock the truth of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me help you understand something right now. The same Jesus Christ which was taken up from us into heaven shall so come in like manner as we have seen him go. Jesus Christ is coming again. It may be morning. It may be night. It may be noon. These may be the last days. We may be the rapture generation. I don't know, but I know someday Jesus Christ is coming again. And when he comes again, my friend, the mockers are going to cower before him because the Bible says when he returns to planet earth, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's not coming to take sides. He's coming to take over. Hallelujah. So you know there's obstacles. Discouragement. Don't be discouraged. You're, you're serving Christ faithfully and that seed you're planting God is using. And let me tell you, God's going to make a way when there seems to be no way. And 
God's going to bring you through and them ravens are going to show up right on time and the water's going to come flowing out of the rock and the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. I think I get the promises of God get me stirred up. The Bible teaches that we're the children of God and if we ask Him for bread, He's not going to give us rocks. That's what the Bible says. Sin... I'm not going to sit around just talk about how bad it is. I'm going to go out there and lay the gospel on these people. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to preach you with every breath I've got until Jesus takes me home. The old-time gospel of his death and his burial and his resurrection. Ridicule? Make fun of me? Made fun of Jesus. Made fun of Elisha. Make fun of what we believe. Y'all believe in this rapture? We believe in this second coming of the Lord Jesus God. We absolutely believe it when the rapture comes. All we're asking is you folks that don't, just turn the lights off before you leave. All right? Because let me tell you, we're, absent. we're, we're, we're going to be with the Lord. So here's what I believe we ought to take home with us tonight. Be encouraged. Because God is for you. Number two, sin's the curse. But Jesus Christ is the cure. And number three, rejoice when you're ridiculed. It just means you're on the right side and you're moving in the right direction. I heard an old preacher say one time, and I never forgot it, if they're kicking you in the seat of the britches, that means one thing, you're out front. Hallelujah. Well, let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes and let's all stand together and if we could just have just a little bit of music of some kind here, just a little instrumental, just pick the guitar a little bit there, it'll be just fine. Uh, pastor is here. If you've never been saved, and you're not sure if you died tonight, you'd go to heaven, would you just come and tell the pastor, Pastor, I'm not sure if I died tonight, I'd go to heaven. I'd like somebody to tell me how to get saved. That's the first part of the invitation. But here's the second part. Is there anybody here tonight that just says, it's music? For the Malcolm's message, truths of these scriptures has really stirred me. And by the grace of God, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit serving Jesus. Would you just come kneel at this altar and just say, Lord, I'm just going to kneel here for a moment. I'm just saying, I'm not going to quit serving you. If you can't kneel, just come down here and stand for a moment. Lord, I'm not going to quit serving you. Come what may, Lord, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to press through. Oh, dear God in heaven, I want to pray for us. And oh, God, I pray you will encourage the discouraged. Give hope to the hopeless. Lord, I pray You'll give us a fresh vision of who You are. You're not a God that plays tricks on His children, that toys with them, that hurts them. You love and You take care of Your children. And so God, tonight I pray that the hopeless will receive hope and the discouraged will receive encouragement and the retired will get refired. And Lord, I pray that you'll give us the gumption and the backbone and the faith to press through these days ahead.
and to keep on keeping on for Jesus' sake. In Jesus' name I pray, Lord. Amen. And amen.